Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Oh, there is no one like you. You are so good. Lord, you're not just the God of the city. Lord, you're the God of the nations. Lord, you're the King of all kings and Lord of all lords, Father. There's no authority in heaven or on earth, Lord, that you haven't put in place. You're in charge. Lord, are we saying that you are reckless only in your love? That you trust us. That's your recklessness. That you trust us. And that you love us. Because we fail so often. But your love remains faithful. You remain faithful. We give you all glory and all honor and all praise. Father, And we trust you with this year and every year to come. We trust You with our life. We trust You with the lives of our children. We trust You with the whole world, Lord. It's Yours. And it's good. Thank You, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're so glad that You're with us this morning for worship. Happy New Year. God has graced us with another one. <laughs> Just like He graces us every day with, with the breath in our lungs and the life that we have. I just want to take a, a moment just to thank our, our worship team, uh, every, every one of them, all the leads uh, from Brandon and uh, Megan and Stacy and Evan. Uh, they, they lead our teams and, and then every one, and one of the players uh, I've shared with you before and just uh, had it on my heart again from last night's worship uh, time and this morning that uh, my heart for our worship team, and I know it's their heart because they do it every week, is just that they worship and will join with them. Um, that's, that's what it's about. It's about giving all glory and all honor and all praise to our God, and we, we do that every Sunday morning, and I'm so thankful for them and their hearts and that, that they lead us so well. Uh, and so I just want to uh, once again acknowledge them and thank them for what they do. Well, uh, before we get into the message this morning, uh, each month we give an update um, on the progress of our new building. Um, we don't have too many more of these. There may just be, uh, God willing, one more, and then we're going to be done. Uh, so we've, we've named the building NCC West. I'll let uh, you know that a little bit a few weeks ago. Uh, we're just under $95,000 away from having it uh, totally funded. Yeah, praise the Lord. He has provided faithfully through, through uh, your generous giving. And not only uh, have we continued, have we you know, funded this building, but you've continued to fund all the ministries of the church. And God has been so faithful uh, all through a, a very interesting year that we just finished, that we just closed the books on. Um, and uh, if the finances come in as planned, uh, we should be able to complete construction by mid-February. Um, so yeah, God, uh, we started and broke ground in, 
and actually did the foundation in April of last year. So it would actually be um, in about 11 months from start to finish of construction if, if, if that schedule stays true. So we're so thankful. Uh, on January 31st, we're going to have a fifth Sunday. Um, every, one, every fifth Sunday, we have a special service. And uh, this January 31st will be the next fifth service, and it's going to be an extra special one. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about it and tell you in advance so that um, you could make plans to be here uh, for that. We're going to um, basically highlight all of our children and youth ministries. The, the youth and kids will lead the service uh, from worship to word. We'll get a glimpse of the ministries, all the ministries that will be taking place in the new building, uh, but they'll be doing it up here for us. So uh, we'll see the worship songs they sing on Sunday morning and on uh, Wednesday night for Spark. The, the youth will lead, uh, the youth worship band will lead some songs, uh, and then they'll share some of the lessons that they, that they do. So uh, we're really excited about that. And then afterward, uh, after the service, we will uh, have an open house. Um, in the new building and do a walkthrough. So uh, on the 31st, it won't be complete, but it's going to be very, very close. Um, it actually looks really good right now. It's a little dirty. Um, <laughs> there's still the tar paper and stuff on the floor, but um, it's very, very close. So by the 31st, um, it should be looking really good. And uh, we just want to take that opportunity that, at the same time that we have that special service with the kids uh, to take a walk through. So we would love for you all to join us that, uh, that week and, and uh, celebrate with us that we're, we're, we're so close to the end. Well, this morning we're going to continue the It's Personal series, uh, and for those of you that may have been watching on Facebook, we decided that Betty may have been the best one to preach this morning. <laughs> You're getting votes, Betty. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's like, why is he picking on me? Um, she just made a comment on on the message title that really was what the message is about, and I was like, hey, you're already starting to preach it. Um, and, and, and the way I was going to start out was, was the point that she made. This method, we've been talking about getting personal. This one's going to be really personal um, because we're going to answer the question, do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've done? And I'm going to tell you right now that I am very thankful that everyone in this room right now doesn't know what I've done. And I think... Uh, you would be very grateful that everybody in this room doesn't know what you've done. I was going to say, anybody have an amen for that? (laughs) (laughs) The truth is none of us need to be known by everyone, but all of us need someone who really knows us. And I think it's safe to say that most of us can think of things that we've done or are currently doing that if they were exposed, we would be very ashamed Shame isn't a good thing. Shame is a very intense feeling or experience that causes people to believe that they are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. It's a lie from the enemy. When it comes to shame, that, that lie tells us that we embody our sins and our flaws, that that's who we are, that we're beyond forgiveness and beyond repair. If guilt makes me aware that I've done something bad, shame is the belief that I am bad. 
And we're all in need of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But shame would have us believe that we can't be saved. We're beyond hope. Shame would have us keep our sins and our hurts hidden in the dark instead of bringing them into the light where we might be healed. And my prayer is that many are going to be delivered from shame this morning. To be free to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and to be free to have personal relationships with others. We all need flesh and blood relationships people that we can talk to and be vulnerable with, someone that we can trust, that we can walk along with in our walk with God. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Many of us also have a spouse that we should be able to be vulnerable with. But I believe we also need others around us to encourage us and walk with us uh, in our walk with Christ. For men, it should be another man. For women, it should be another woman. And we're going to talk about our personal relationships more in a moment. But before we do, there's someone else who knows everything there is to know about us. And our relationship with Him is the most important of all. Nothing is hidden from Him. He knows what we have done. Every single thing. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I can stand here with confidence that none of you know every secret thing about me, but I know without a doubt that God knows every secret thing about me. Every thought I've ever had, all the way to the depths of my soul and my heart, every hidden thing is totally exposed and bare before Him. And I can pretend like it's not. I can pretend like He doesn't see it, but He does. We get a good example of this in 2 Samuel 11. It's the recorded account of David and his affair with Bathsheba and his killing of her husband Uriah the Hittite. In 2 Samuel 11, verse 27, it says, But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. What's interesting is that David had covered his tracks really well. There wasn't a single individual who knew his whole plot and plan. Different people knew pieces. You know, his general knew that he told him to pull back his forces to let Uriah die, but he didn't know what was happening at the palace. His servants may have seen something going on at the palace, but they didn't know what happened on the battlefield. There was nobody that could prove without a shadow of a doubt that David was guilty of anything. But there was one. One who did know. One who knows every secret thing. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we see that God decided to share David's secret with someone. With Nathan the prophet. And he commanded him to expose David's sin. And in Psalm 51, we find David's uh, prayer of repentance for what he had done, both with Bathsheba and to Uriah. And in Psalms 51, verse 3, it says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done evil, done this evil in your sight. So David acknowledged 
that while he tried to hide his sin and while he tried to do it all in darkness, that nothing had been hidden from God. Everything he had done was in the sight of God. And God knows our thoughts and our hearts and our actions, both what's done in the dark and what's done in the light. And honestly, that would seem like really, really bad news. Oh no, He he knows me. He really knows. He knows everything that I've done. He knows the sinfulness in my heart, in the depths of my being. No matter how good I can make myself look on the outside, God knows this isn't good news. But it is. The word gospel means good news. And it is in Romans 5.8, we see that God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God answered our question this morning. We can ask Him, do you know what I've done? And He responds with an emphatic yes. Absolutely, I know everything that you have done and knowing all of our sin. And while we were in the middle of our sin, He sent Jesus Christ to die for them that we might be forgiven, that we might be healed, that we might be made whole. There's another similar question that we need to ask. And it's another way that the enemy attacks us with shame. And we need to expose the lie. Sometimes we feel shame because of what we've done. Other people feel shame because of what has been done to them. But God doesn't just know what we've done. He knows what's been done to you. He knows what sins have been committed by others against you. And for many, that causes as much shame or more shame than what they may have done. But God's healing, His hope, and His forgiveness are there to answer uh, that hole and that hurt as much as it is for what we've done. We're not going to read, reread again the whole account of Jesus' account with Zacchaeus again, but it does apply to both of these questions as well. Without a doubt, God knew everything there was to know about Zacchaeus and every sin that he had ever committed. Like all of us, Zacchaeus was born in sin. And apart from being found by Jesus Christ, he would have remained a lost man. And that lost man climbed up in a tree. And Jesus, as he passed by, saw him and called him out by name and said he must go to his house. And we know that the crowd wasn't happy. They actually grumbled in disbelief in how Jesus could go and be at the house of this sinful man. A sinful man like Zacchaeus. But Jesus would have the last word in Luke 19, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Knowing his sin, knowing every secret thing, God the Father led Jesus to this one lost sinner because that's what Jesus came to do, to seek and save the lost. Jesus was answering the grumbling of the crowd. How dare he go to the house of a sinner? And we all know what 
that Caius has done, doesn't Jesus know what he's done? How could he go to his house? What is he thinking? And Jesus responded, yes, I know. That's why I came. Where else would I go but to the house of a lost sinner to find him and restore him and save him? Romans 5.8 tells us that God showed us his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This was written after Jesus died on the cross, looking back at the completed action. But on this day, as Jesus was walking through Jericho and literally on His way to the cross, looking ahead, Jesus was saying, I came to seek and save the lost. At that moment, Jesus was saying, I came to forgive you, Zacchaeus. I came to die on the cross even for the sins of these self-righteous crowd that are judging not only you, but they're judging me. I'm about to die on the cross for all of these sins. But there's a catch. We have to receive Him. We have to accept this salvation. The crowd rejected Jesus, but Zacchaeus received him with joy and welcomed him into his home. Have you ever realized that in this account, Zacchaeus repents without Jesus ever talking to him about his sins? The father absolutely knew everything Zacchaeus had done, but he doesn't have Jesus bring up any of his sins. Instead, he just says, I must go to your house today. I must have a relationship with you. I need to spend time with you. And that was enough to transform Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus wasn't making a New Year's resolution. We all know how those work out for us. Zacchaeus was transformed by the love of God. The love and forgiveness of the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the strength and power provided to us by the Holy Spirit is the only way that salvation and healing and wholeness is available for any of us. Before we close this morning, I want us to take a good look at ourselves. Because we may be hiding it really well, but we might be up in a tree of shame ourselves. And it's kind of hard to help someone else out of a tree when we're in a tree ourselves. And if you find yourself up the tree of shame this morning, I want to encourage you to come down and let Jesus come in. He knows what you've done. He knows what's been done to you. And He doesn't have any plans to bring them up. Just like with Zacchaeus. He didn't bring him up. He's just seeking after you. He wants to save you from your sin and from your shame. He came and willingly died while we were in the middle of our sin with no hope because He knew He was our only hope. The enemy may have you stuck up in a tree of shame for something way in your past. Or maybe you're stuck in shame for things that are still in your life today. 
But God is calling you where you are right now. He knows. He knows your name and He's calling you out of that tree. And He knows that nothing is hidden. And we can know that nothing's hidden. The thing that, the, the shame that's keeping us from Him is keeping us from His love healing us. He wants to remove our shame and help us out of the tree. Both to set us free for our own sake and so that we can show the same love to others to help them get out of the tree they may be in. That being said, on a personal relational note, if God ever uses you to walk with a brother or sister and you develop a truly personal relationship with them and they share something with you that only they and God know, I want to encourage you to never abuse that trust. Trust is both powerful and fragile. And most of us know that we lose trust in buckets but gain it in drops. You can lose somebody's trust in an instant and it will take you years, if not a lifetime or never, to get that trust back again. And so I want to encourage you, if you do walk with somebody and get to that level of a relationship, do not abuse their trust. A friend of mine would jokingly say, I can keep secrets. It's all the people that I tell that have a problem. You know, We need to be careful not only uh, with what people share with us, but be careful with what you share to others. That shouldn't be something that you just do very quickly and easily. It should be a very uh, safe place and relationship that you truly, truly trust. The other thing that we need to be careful not to do is to abandon someone because their past sin is too shocking or too much for us. It's so easy to be comfortable with someone else's sin if we can relate. You know, when I'm talking to somebody that has a struggle that I have, I'm very gracious and graceful and have mercy because I understand that struggle. But if somebody has something else, it's very easy to be judgmental and think, how, how could you do that? I remember uh, taking a counseling workshop many years ago and it was led by a PhD counselor and they were she was just, you know, helping us learn how to counsel and do pastoral counseling. And I remember one of the things that she said that really stuck out to me. I know uh, most of you can probably relate to this just uh, through conversations or close encounters you may have had with people that, that did share something very personal and intimate with you. And that's that as a counselor or in that type of relationship, you have to be careful not to um, have a shocked expression on your face. You know, somebody could tell you something and your face can give you away. Even if you hold words back, if you're just, you know, your jaw drops to the floor and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you did that. Or I can't believe you just shared that with me. But the truth is, God knows. There's not a sin in their life or a sin in our life. There's no secret thing. He knows. And what that person needs to know is that despite what they've done or despite what's been done to them, God's love is enough to heal them. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted, to set free the captives. They don't need any more reason to be ashamed. They don't need us to beat them over the head so they feel more guilty. They already do. 
What they need is to know that Jesus Christ loves them just the way they are, just the way that He loved us. And because He first loved us, we can show that love to them. When sin and shame are brought into the light, their powers taken away. We know God knew every aspect of all of our sins and He sent Jesus to die for all of them while we were in the middle of them. Our parts to show that same love that we've received to others and so we can help them out of their tree. And then they can start the journey from believing no one could ever love them because of what they've done or because of what's been done to them to a place of testimony where they can stand up and say, look at the new creation I have become through Jesus Christ. The One who loved me and died for me when I was lost because He came to seek and find me. The brokenhearted, the captive, The greatest trick that shame plays on us is its ability to alienate us from the one thing that can save us, the love of God. It literally started out from the very beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, they went and hid. And Jesus or God comes into the garden and He says, where are you? And Adam's response was, we hid because we were ashamed. The shame drove them away from the one that could restore them back to relationship. Jesus came to break the cycle of shame. When we demonstrate love in the face of someone's deepest vulnerability, we're answering multiple unspoken questions like, do you think I'll be okay? Do you think I still have value? Do you think I can be forgiven? And in Jesus Christ, the answer to all those questions is yes. Absolutely. We teach and proclaim that God loves us and tells other, and we tell others the same, but for many it's hard to believe, especially if they've never experienced real love from another caring person. We can, we can tell people they've been forgiven, but for many in their mind and in their heart, the enemy's lies are still there and they say, that's easy for you to say because you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. And that may be true, but there's someone who knows and he loves them just the same. And we can encourage them that there's only one opinion that matters. And in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our shame, He loved us enough to send His Son to die on the cross to restore us and heal us and make us whole and just cover us with His reckless love. We're going to close with Romans 10 verse 9. It says, If you confess with your mouth that the Lord the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And it just gets better. Don't miss this next verse. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. 
For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. We all need to answer God's call to us to climb out of the tree of shame, to receive His love, and to share that love with those around us. And know, know that if you come to Him, He will not put you to shame. He came to heal, to bind the broken heart. It says He won't break a bent reed. Because He loves you so much just the way you are, exactly where you are. But He loves you so much He won't leave you there. Because if you receive Him into your life, He makes you a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Nothing is left. He heals you. He restores you. He makes you whole. That's what He came to do. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus was lost. And all he wanted to do was go to his house. There's not one story, one account of Jesus in the Bible exposing someone's uh, deepest, darkest secret in public just just to make them feel guilt and shame. He didn't do it. He said, I came to make you whole. I came to heal you. I came to love you. I came to restore the broken relationship with you and the Father. And He's calling to all of us today, saying, get out of the tree of shame. The only thing it's doing is keeping us from Him. The One who can heal us. The One who can save us. My prayer this morning is that we'll take this ministry time and this worship time and in just a moment we'll have an elder and their wife here uh, to pray with anybody who would want to pray. But take this time as an opportunity to cry out to the one who loves you and to just be honest with them. Because he knows everything that's there. There's no secret that's hidden. He knows it. But be honest with them and say, Father, the reason I haven't been coming to you is because I was ashamed. Because of this and this and this and this. But I know you see it. And I know you love me anyway. And I know the only way I'm going to be healed is to come to you. So this morning, come to Him. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Lord, thank you. God, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your reckless love. You loved us so much, you gave us free will. That we might choose you, Lord. That we might see our brokenness and know that only you can fix us. Lord, we come to you this morning. Father, I pray. Lord, I pray for freedom this morning. I pray for release this morning, Lord. We break shame over the lives of your people, Lord.
Lord, your word says if we come to you, if we call on your name, we'll be saved and we will not be put to shame, Lord. You came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up our wounds, Lord. And we come to you this morning asking for healing, asking for wholeness, Lord. Asking for forgiveness that we might never be the same again. Do what only you can do, Lord. Jesus Christ, do in our life what you came to do to seek and save us. Father, I pray that ears would be open this morning to hear your voice. Lord, that they would hear their name, you calling their name, saying, come out of the tree so I can heal you. I must stay in your heart. I want to live in you and restore you and change you. Let me in. Lord, I pray that our ears would be open to hear you calling out to us. Father, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Open our eyes to see what you're doing, that we can participate with you in everything you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Chris, thank you for that message. I needed that. When, when we start dwelling in our own guilt and shame, those go hand in hand. It, it sends us down a path that makes us want to hide and, and uh, not be around other people. And that is a tool that the devil uses to keep you from being a testimony and a help to those around you. He wants you to hide in your shame uh, and not talk to other people and not look them in the eye and not be open to what they have to say because we're afraid that they might find out what's really in us. I almost feel like I need to stand up and say, Hi, I'm Mike and I'm a sinner. Jesus came to save the lost, and it's not just lost from eternity, but it's us getting lost in that cycle of despair of thinking about who we've been around or what we've done or the things we've said and just getting lost in that cycle of hiding and self-reflection and despair and shame. And that's part of what Christ came to, to save us from. You have been made a new creation. The new creation has nothing to do with who you used to be. You're new. It's all new. The old stuff that you were, that you did, that you said, that you hung around, it's all gone. Christ doesn't see that anymore. Father God, I thank you that you can take my personal misgivings, my, my sins, my own doubt. Father God, I thank you that with your grace you can take me and my life and make it into a great testimony that I can share with other people. Thank you for giving us the boldness to be able to share your word with those around us. Even though we might be thinking, yeah, look what I've done. Look where I've been. Father God, I'm not that anymore. Behold, I am new. I'm a new creation. And it's because of you and your sacrifice that makes that possible. By the blood of Jesus, I've been made clean. I've been made whole. And I want to share that with somebody else so they can have that life abundant as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Saturday, January 9th, there's a men's breakfast, 8 o'clock. Come over here in the fellowship hall. Join with men. Bring your sons. Bring your friends. 
enjoy fellowship with one another. And January the 13th, Spark comes back in. All right, we got a place for the, yay, there we go. Kids are going to have a place to go on Wednesday night, get to see their friends again, and life groups start back. Look at our newcovenantlandpasses.com website to find more information. Thank you all. You all have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 